Let's go! This is Dubis's team. It is the best team. Are you guys disrespecting my fourth line? I love that fourth line more than my daughter. Scoring-wise, totally unprecedented. This guy is on fire. This needs to be fixed or we're not going anywhere. Do you know what's better than 40 goals a year? 80 goals a year, which is what he's getting with Mitch Marner. I think you guys are crazy. Stop it. Tim, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Ryan, you are wrong. (laughs) Welcome to the Leafs cast with Steven, Ryan, and Tim. Welcome back to the Leafs cast. Wins. We got wins this week. Man, this is so much better than last week. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Although it did start out that way, but so much less sweat. A little bit. Yeah, I know. I, I, I did buy some more deodorant this week. I was sweating through the rest of them, but I had to do a load of laundry. No, the sweat has mostly gone away, but I'm always a little bit sweaty as the rest of Leafs Nation is. It's just kind of a stinky bunch. It's truly unbelievable how easy, like, I feel like, I feel like I'm an accurate representation of Leafs Nation in that, like, <laughs> I'm sweating all these buckets. We're the worst team in the league. And then we go and beat, like, even though they're not Detroit isn't playing like it. They're probably one of the lesser teams in the league. And Chicago, which is the worst team in the league, we beat them. And all of a sudden, it's playing the parade. We're the best. <laughs> Nothing can stop us. The classic Leaf Station. And even though we're we're intellectual men to a degree, we like yeah, we we know it's coming, right? We know like don't buy into all this stuff, but we 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 do. That it's just welcome, welcome to Leafs Nation. Uh, let's get into the games this week, guys. So Ryan kind of teed it off. Uh, Leafs go two and uh, two and one on the week. Uh, open up the week with a four-one loss to the Hurricanes, then uh, a two to three overtime win over the Blackhawks, and then last night a four to five win over the Red Wings. Uh, a couple of talking points about the teams, new lines, a lot of new looks. We love lines here. What'd you guys well, think? Before- before we got the new lines was that game in Carolina. And that was coming off of last week where we had to have a special episode of how many buckets are we sweating? Cause our team sucked so badly. And I remember bad. thinking of that game, like as much as, as uh, like that Pittsburgh game was awful. We had to win the next game and lost that this Carolina game was like, man, we need a win. And we lost that. <laughs> we were so bad at it. Four to too. one. Oh my God. Not close. Awful. I mean, like losing against Carolina, that would have been like a palatable loss. Like Carolina is like a good team, even though they lo- they lost Dougie Hamilton. They still have a good team, but it's just after we lost to San Jose, who's actually doing pretty well, and Pittsburgh, and just like their minor league team, it was it was rough. We we, we all we needed be, those wins. We could be potentially walking into a slaughter on Monday, right? We we knew it could happen, and I walked away from that game just pretty bummed out, right? Because we we know what this team can be, right? And in our minds, we're like, you know, if they just if, if they play to the level of the team that they're against, right? We're against a good team. We're going to play well and playing close. And it wasn't that way. And I, I walked away from it feeling like, I just don't, I don't think this team is as good as the one last year, right? There's a lot of turnover on the roster year after year. And, and the last few years, the Leafs have in a way been a better team than the year before. But then I, I, I didn't feel that way at the end of that game. And I, I don't know how I feel right now. I mean, yeah. at least they did something with it. And, and when we did face Chicago, which going into it, we we're all thinking, you know, we all just came fresh off that Pittsburgh loss where they're missing half their team and we were just an embarrassment. And here's Chicago also missing a number of players. And it's just like, okay, well, and obviously Chicago's spotlight of the world right now with everything that's happening there. And 
Well, easy Man. loss here for the Leafs, but uh, Wait, and especially off. after that that first period where we go down two nothing to Chicago, the team that hasn't had a lead in oh six God. games is because like, of course, because of course, that's the Leafs. It's course, it's the Leafs. Yeah. Now, one thing, one thing that happens that made me laugh at the because one thing that always happens because of course it's the Leafs is all our ex Toronto Maple Leafs just light up the lamp when they play us, right? You always see it. We joke about it a lot with Connor Brown whenever we play Ottawa. That like, oh, here comes Connor Brown. Of course, he's gonna pop one or two tonight. And David Camp, who scored one goal all of last year for Chicago, of course he gets the first his first goal at the Leafs against Chicago in Chicago. Well, speaking of uh, former Leafs, they're going to come back to torch their for- former team. Uh, news this week: Leaf legend Michael Amadio, who beat out uh, Adam Brooks for the last spot on the roster, hit waivers this past week. Vegas picked him up. We face Vegas on Tuesday. Pencil him in for a hat trick. (laughs) I'm I'm really, though, starting to believe what Ryan said on a previous pod that teams teams don't even look at the name that's on waivers and just look at the parentheses T-O-R next to the name and claim them. Right. Like they don't care. I I would love I would love to know how many players from other teams get claimed because it's it's just it's every player we have except Hutchinson. Hutchinson is the only guy we can keep, and he's the only guy we don't even want to keep. Yeah, it's we got to keep ridiculous. just trying to put him through waivers every day. One of these days, this team is going to accidentally claim him. they like, wait, we got that guy? I thought he was a defenseman. Give me a break. <laughs> now, yep. uh, going on the trend, though, of, of previous Leafs lighting us up, Freddie Anderson did play really well on Monday, as he has all season. He's one of the league's best goalies through the first uh, two and a half weeks of the season. Yep. I don't know. Now, Austin Matthews did get his goal against him, but yeah. a little wraparound. Fancy little wraparound. Yeah. Which those never, I feel like those never used to work. And now I'm seeing everybody scoring wraparounds this year. So it's just the trend. But um, yeah, it wasn't all bad though. Cause the Leafs, they, they, they had a, a resilient win, a dirty, resilient win on Wednesday, right? Where they, they were down 2 0 and all, all day, right? When we're hearing about, oh, so and so is not in the lineup and, like, we're going to lose. We're going to lose so bad. This is going to be so embarrassing. And they come back. And the storyline coming out of that game is, you know, we had a horrible first period, got down to nothing. We go into the intermission, and the the media was, was chalking up that a couple players spoke up in the dressing room and basically said, it's time to wake up. You know, they got to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. We got to dig ourselves out of this hole. And obviously they come back and they played great the rest of the game. And, and they, you know, they wanted to keep that in the room. They don't want us to know who those players are. But I think we all know who those those players were. I mean, like, yeah, you have a pretty good idea of, of who those voices are. That and so, so this was a game. Did, did the lines change for this one? Yep. We had uh, JT and Marner together and, and Cactus and Willie were together. I'm trying well. to remember the one, the, the, the game where, where Muzzin looked especially bad on the first two goals against. That must have been Monday then. Yeah. And then that, uh, that, that was against Chicago. Yeah. You, you guys want to touch on the lines real quick? Well, I mean, like, it's it is nice that we. Yeah. Well, like, because we basically went all of last year with Marner and Matthews joined at the hip. And I mean, that worked out really well. And. Which was, I, I mean, I think of it in itself because in the past, like I'm, in the Babcock era, it was Nylander and Matthews because Babcock was always adamant that like Marner can drive his own line. He doesn't need Matthews. And then so uh, when the, both of them kind of had a bit of a slower start to a season, especially Marner just getting no goals, he said like, all right, time for a change. Give him to JT. 
Look how that look how that turned out in Detroit. Man, that JT Marner and Kerfoot line looked hot. Even so good. hot. Um yeah, JT yeah. So, so he was just lighting the lamp. I mean, this this podcast, the, the biggest arguments in the history of this podcast, this podcast basically almost broke up debating over whether Matthews and Marner should play together. Uh the That's Allison true. boys going at it, love to hear it. And yeah, that just like all of a sudden you knew the defensive line changes were gonna come. Right. We knew that. But then you had to change up the forwards as well. And it worked. I mean, Tavares looked look the best he has all year and honestly in a while playing. They say it was this his, fir- his first th- three point game since like January. It, I mean, it, that sick backhand against the uh, uh, the, the Blackhawks. Oh, but then, yeah, last yes. night it, him and Kerfoot were looking great. And Kerfoot just needs to stay there. Just just keep that sauce that Kerfoot gave Tavares in that two on one. Oh, that looked good. I didn't even know. I didn't even know Kerfoot could make a saucy pass like. Wait, that. did Kerfoot score last night too? Because then there was the pass behind yeah. behind the net. J- JT yeah, finds yeah, him yeah. and just yeah. But they and they had a handful of other chances last night. Um, and Marner touched. Yeah, all three of them got a goal. I was like, I want to give give some credit to Detroit. They they were resilient through the whole thing. Now, granted, I suppose you could criticize the Leafs for not putting the game away when they could, but it, Detroit impressed me more than I thought they would. Like. I know we're to start the year we put them above the bottom tier teams like Buffalo, who's one of the best teams in the league. But they, they, <laughs> they, they I was getting a lot of 2016 Leaf vibes from those guys. Like they have their fourth overall pick, uh, uh, Raymond, and he's been doing really well playing with Larkin. Like, they, they, they it's all to watch. It's all their first round the future. It's all their first round picks on the team. Valeno uh, came in. Um, uh, more- Did you guys see that Valeno got a ride with um, uh, Stevie Iserman to the rink because he was like a last minute call up. So Stevie Iserman had a four hour drive with him to the rink. <laughs> is that great? That is that is crazy. I was thinking that I, I, I when I first heard that, I was like, wait, he just like picked him up from the airport and drove him like, no, they spent four hours in the car together. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Tim, that like they're they're the super young team. All these all their first round picks. We'll, we'll see if they hit, but they're in the NHL. There's something to be said for that. And they yeah, they battled back. So Morazic goes in last night. And what do you guys think of Morazic? He's formerly played just two periods for the Leafs all year. Well, here's um, the thing. I was very glad that Mrazek was back because that meant Hutchinson was not back. And it's very nice just having two goalies that are at least serviceable NHLers. In terms of the game, it wasn't great. I mean, I don't know how much stock you can put into like the guy's first game back after injury of two weeks. I don't know how much he's was skating and such. I, I would imagine with a groin injury, he can't really do much. So he's probably shaking off the rest a little bit, but. I don't know. Anytime you let in four goals, it's not great. And none of them so, were especially like, I don't know, on like, like every single one of those was a savable puck in my opinion. And just right now it really does feel like there, there's a clear one and a clear two where at the start of the year, the argument was that the Leafs can have a one a and one B situation. I know it's early. Well, that's how I feel. Yeah. I mean, like Campbell is definitely playing at, I mean, he was I would so say above good expectations. That Chicago game. In that Chicago game, Campbell was unreal. Mm-hmm. Like, like he's definitely playing at the top of his game. Razik, I mean, like this is his first game back to injury. I, I give him like a little bit of a uh, little bit of leeway, but yeah, like I would say he's not great, but not uh not three point eight million dollars worth. I, yeah. I do we'll not give him any he, grace. So just understand that that I do not, all right? That this is all, Kim. All I all I know is that if Hutch was in net last night, we would have lost. 
I mean, that's fair. I mean, four goals all the same, though. Like, you, you don't win many games when the team scores four goals against you. So it was very nice that the one game all year that the Leafs score more than three is also the game that we let in four. Sometimes I think it was telling, like too. Uh, you know, Tim had a bad look there last night. His boy, Alex Nijelkovic, he was hoping the Leafs would sign. Didn't even start. Didn't even play in the game, Tim. You were looking bad. Ryan and I all offseason were saying that that was a bad move. You liked it. It's a bad look, Tim. Hey, it's the season's early. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. He's probably just not in. But I was looking forward to seeing him. (laughs) Then he didn't play it to Grice. But anyway. What'd you guys think of the new D pairings? That was a big story. Yeah, classic Leafs fans not even talking about the defense until (laughs) until like 10 minutes in the pod. I I did want to bring up uh, defense, and I want to talk about uh, Timothy Liljegren, Mm. who... uh, for the first time in ages, feel like we have something good to talk about him. But yeah, I thought actually, he was good. Though. Him, him, and Sandman, like they got the chem. Mm-hmm. He's playing what three, three game, three of the games so far. I think maybe two or three. Yeah, I, I agree, Tim. He's, he's looking like an NHLer. He doesn't look out of place out there. And here's the thing, though, because do you remember back in like Dermot's rookie year? He looked so good, and we we're like, ah, oh, this guy's great. And then all of a sudden, he never took another step, and now he's still like. You know, Dermot, the like, bottom of the lineup kind of guy. It's just like, so you never really know. It's not like Lilligren showing these signs and he's projecting now to be a top four defenseman. But like the fact that he's there, he's in the lineup is huge. Like we, we just need these cheap guys to be NHL players. So I, I, I agree. I'm pleased with his development so far. He's made a lot of smart decisions when he's out there. And every time that he hasn't been so far this season, I've noticed that like, I, I just feel like he would have been an upgrade over, you know, Dermot or whoever was in. Um, I thought Dermot's been played like really well. Like I would, I would say like based on the past few games, that's more or less who deserved to be in the lineup. Tim, are you trying yeah. to come at me today in my takes? No, <laughs> Timothy Liljegren is better, and that's fine. Timothy Allison <laughs> <laughs> at defense. Der- Dermot stepped. No, he has stepped up. Remember in our first episode we did, I I, I was kind of giving it to Dermot. D- didn't really know what the point of him was being in there. If he doesn't power play or penalty kill, but. No, he he has played better and he stepped up. I thought he was just okay on that top pair with Morgan Riley. We never actually said the pairs. We had we had Morgan Riley and Travis Dermott. Then we had Jake Muzzin and TJ Brody, and then Sandine and Lilligren. Yeah, I thought Dermott was he was okay on that top pair. I think that Riley did more of it, but you kind of expect Riley to do more of it. But it was serviceable. Yeah. So so Jake Muzzin, it it felt like the the reason the lines were changing is to solve this Jake Muzzin situation, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, like no, sure. nowhere else in the lineup was it struggling as much as Jake Muzzin. Uh, he sits as a minus seven on the season now, Oof. and it was but it was a lot worse before they made this change. I want to say he was like a minus ten or eleven or something like that. At the yeah, start. the Detroit the Detroit game was definitely his first one that he is starting to look like his old self again. Hopefully it's just a, a start of things to come because man, our, our team needs Jake Muzzin. Got a goal. Yes, he did. And he's hit a couple of posts this year. He can do that, but it just, it, it's, it's really seemed unfortunate, but like he's, he's just in the exact wrong spot for so many goals against this year. And yeah. so sending down TJ Brody, who hasn't played like, I don't know, noticeably like amazing. Now I feel like he didn't even notice him last year and he was amazing. So I don't know what to think about it, but um, I, I think that pair is going to stick around. Do, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think in the same way that they want to keep Matthews and Nylander within JT and Marner and like keep trying those out for a little bit, they'll probably keep these D pairs 
for a little bit anyway and and see how it feels probably. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to mention too with Timothy Lilligren, like he's in the league now. He's actually he's only 22 years old. I keep forgetting that. Like he wasn't drafted <laughs> that long ago. 22 years <laughs> old. I there was a point I had like $40 in my bank account and was eating boneless anytizers wings for almost all of my meals. Timothy Lilligren's playing in the N- the NHL. It has has felt that he's been around for a long time, but I mean, part partly is because we're we were spoiled with Luke Shen way back in the day as an eighteen year old defenseman playing top pair minutes. Was he and eighteen so, when he was doing that? Luke Shen, yeah, yeah, holy cow! I mean, me he probably shouldn't have been. Talk but, about you know, rushing the poor guy into the NHL. Hey, Luke Shen is still sticking around. He's played like eight hundred games. Did he get a cup with Tampa last year? Yeah, he year? did. He did. He did. There you go. Um, so so it it, it just I. It, it okay. You know how you know how I tell you guys that like I think about the Leafs a lot in the shower. So today, when I was in the shower, I was thinking about how it's kind of funny that like we went whatever a decade with having a pretty brutal defense in Toronto, and then yep. we basically had one year last year where we had like a solidified, solid, you know, six defensemen that played all year and played well, and now we're just back to like a little bit of a mess back there. Who knows what's going on? <laughs> Part of it is the forwards, though. Like I, I've I've noticed a lot this year that when our defense are pinching the forwards aren't covering and then you all of a sudden got a two on one going the other way or a three on one or something so uh, you can't put the onus all on our six guys back there the forwards have to buy into the system like they were last year i noticed that uh especially in that detroit game john davaros was doing a really good job of covering that that extra man back when our defense were pinching and yeah i want to see more of that tim um now i'm just thinking about the forwards why was amadio waived was it to when we had to bring back Morazic? Is that why? Yeah, exactly. Man. Like Morazic uh, was three point eight million dollars, so him coming back kind of complicates it. But yeah, and at this point, I, I actually haven't looked at the schedule or haven't heard anything about when McCabe is coming back. But that that's when it'll be interesting to see what happens because we're left with there's no more bubble guys. Like Engvall is definitely an NHLer. Everyone else is an NHLer. So. It'll either be, I mean, either Engvall or Simmons that are either going to hit waivers or. Uh... Simmons does not deserve to be waived. He's played well this season. Nah. He's played well. Yeah, you know who'd be great? We should just wave Richie. Oh, Actually, I do man. want to talk about that a little bit because Richie was moved on to this fourth line. And you remember before Richie was on that fourth line when, when it was uh, Spetsa Simmons and was it Engvall, I guess, that, that was there? Or Amadio, I guess. Yeah. That fourth line was great. And you know what I see now? That fourth line is average. And you know who the least average is of those three guys? Nick Ritchie. Simmons and Spencer are outperforming him on the fourth line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I think that the problem with Nick Ritchie is <laughs> this vanilla reference from All or Nothing is going to be here forever. But it's because Ritchie doesn't have a thing. So you never like really notice him out there. Because when he does things well, he just does them average. And when he doesn't do them well, that's when you notice it. So it's just like, but it's not even like he's not doing anything out there. Like plays are dying on his stick. It's just nothing happens. Mm-hmm. He picked up his first point of the season against Detroit, and it was a secondary assist on the power play. And like that's it. That's Nick Ritchie. Like why he laid a huge hit? I think it was in the Carolina game. It's just like okay, is this is this who he's trying to be now? But like. Uh, it, there's just nothing there. It's a bad it's just, look. It, it's really, I mean, two, we're like, what, 10 games into the season. It's really just looking like a miss. He's got yep. some time to turn it around, but like, it really feels like 
the top six is solidifying with him outside of it. The third line is solidifying with him outside of it. Yep. Um, I don't know. Maybe they do wave him. I guess that I don't know. Well, I don't know because I guess the thought is that. Well, I mean, even like Amadio and uh, Brooks, you couldn't really trade for anyone. Like the they would rather run the risk of them being claimed on waivers. But like, I think if it gets to the point where either like Engvall or Simmons or Richie are going to be waived, it's like you want to you'd be able to get something for them. I mm-hmm. would think. Yeah. And actually, so I don't actually know if they would have to waive someone because right now we are carrying seven defensemen. Right. Uh, right. Cause we could just send Lilligren down, but the teams yeah. always carry seven defensemen. Like that's the, when they carry an extra guy, it's always a defenseman. It's not a forward. Uh huh. Hmm. So we'll see. Well, we'll anyway. see. I, mean, I mean, all Maybe the same, we'll... like Mikheyev's not coming back for probably another month. We could have another injury by then. Very likely. And, and I don't even know who the next forward who would come up would be. Like, like who, who's it going to be? It's going to uh, be a audio anymore. Well, so there have been a couple guys that have looked impressive on the Marlies. We don't talk too much about the Marlies here, but uh, Kirill Semyonov. He's been doing pretty well. How about Josh Hosang? Yeah, he's he's so like what is he Hose- like like fifth or sixth in scoring in the AHL? Hosang's doing pretty well, but the thing about Hosang is that once he's up, he's going to need waivers to go back down. Mm-hmm. So he's fine to be in the AHL for as long as he needs, but once he's up, he better be staying. So what you're saying is, once he's up, he will guaranteed be claimed on waivers when we send him back down because there is a tor in front of his the, name by the very next team that we're playing against. Yes, yes, right. Because of course. All right, you guys want to touch on the uh, the the big news of the week? The oh, actual well, biggest news? Yeah, of the, the week? actual was big there, news. Was there of something the week? that happened this week in Leafland? So there are 60 million somethings that happened. <laughs> Captain Morgan. Uh, what's the other title I've heard for this signing? Uh, eight Mo years. That, that's the one I like the oh, most. Oh, that's a good eight one. I like that. Mo years. Morgan Riley, the Maple Leafs 2012 fifth overall pick, is staying home in Toronto for the next eight years. Wow. In- wow. Incredible news. This has been talked about. All off season, all season, he inks an eight-year, sixty million dollar extension. Uh, he's staying seven and a half million per year. Seven and a half million a year. It's a full move, full no move clause that starts right now, and he sticks around. Yeah, I mean, like you, you look at what some of the other defensemen have been getting for their eight-year contracts, like Jones and uh, Darnell Nurse, both got nine million plus on their deals, and you know, you can argue of of Morgan Riley's value comparative to those guys, but. Any way you cut it, seven and a half million is definitely less. I think everyone would agree. It's definitely less than what he could have got if he went to open market. So the total. Yeah. Oh, well, so I think part of part of the difference is like on the open market, he can only get seven years versus the eight years. So so if you look at uh, you can flip it, right? So if he got 60 million dollars in UFA by seven years, that's like eight and a half million a year, which is probably closer to what he would get. Yeah. But I think. I think so. I, I don't think he took too much of a discount staying in Toronto, um, but and I, I think it's a, a fairly even deal. But but Tim, to, you're you're looking at it like sixty million dollars compared to sixty two million dollars. That's not how I'm looking. I'm looking at it at, as per the, the salary cap. Like if another team wanted Morgan Riley, they were paying eight and a half plus million dollars to get that guy on their team, and he said like, no, I want to stay in Toronto. I'll take seven and a half million. And to say that you're getting the extra year. You think that when this deal is over and he's 35, he's not getting another like contract? 
Like it's not like that that not, extra not year he's making zero dollars. I mean, I don't think he's making much. How many thirty-five plus year old defensemen are out there making more than two million dollars? That's just a short list. I, I, listening to to Mo talk about it in the press conference, you know, he 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 referenced how much he he loves the organization. I mean, he's the longest tenured Leaf, right? He he knows far. he knows the dressing room and the building better than anybody else on the team, and I think that's important to him. And I think he weighed. You know, okay, I can stay here, and yes, maybe I'm leaving a couple million dollars on the table, but I'm staying in Toronto, a first class organization, on mm-hmm. a good team with guys who I'm I'm friends with and you know close with, and I'm the leader of this defense. Versus, yes, going you know to the, the open market and uh, signing with potentially just like the very worst team, but the team that will offer him the most money, and you, you don't know what you're going to get in a different organization. So I I, I think that weighed on him a lot this is a team where he they've they've treated him right developed him right and they've got machines that repair bone when you're injured (laughs) and yeah so so what do you guys think of the signing itself like putting morgan riley and his personal feelings aside for like you as as let's say you're kyle dubas how do you feel about this signing are you like through the moon can't believe you got this done are you a little uneasy, like oh, tough cost to, to pay. Where, where are you guys at? Mm. Okay. T- t- you want me to go first? Yeah, I, want, I want Tim to go first. <laughs> Tim, tell me so, what you think and I'll agree with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of, I've been a bit of a, a, not let's say a Morgan Riley believer over the years. I, I made the take last year that he was no longer our most important defenseman and that we should not resign him. And since then, I've kind of gone back and forth. Muzzin's regression this year has, I think, accelerated it a little bit. But overall, I like this signing. Uh, I don't think, I think for $7.5 million, the Leafs cannot replace Riley. And I don't think they have enough flexibility in the trade, tradable assets to bring in that Morgan Riley replacement. And Rasmus Sandin, as, much, as like great as he's been, He's not Morgan ready to step into Morgan Riley's shoes next year. Uh, so overall, years five through eight, going to be a little iffy. But until then, I think we're good. Uh, definitely helps keep the window open. And who knows? Austin Matthews and uh, is UFA 24-25. He decides to head to the desert. Don't changes are say that stop why it, are you giving Tim. why are you giving steven this ptsd uh, you know that's the thing i think about the most in the shower is austin matthews <laughs> in the desert give me a break um yes yeah, so i in, i agree with tim that i i like this signing and it's for the window that's why we have w- what we believe as leafs fans and a lot of people believe is a, a cup contending team and it would not be a cup contending team if we just, for example, right now did not have Morgan Riley, right? Let's say, let's say things got weird and we kept Zach Hyman and picked up some other bum like Nick Ritchie and lost, you know, traded uh, Morgan Riley, right? It, it just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the same team. He's 27 years old, right? He's, he's going to be good. He's good right now. He's going to be good for the next so many years. I think, yeah, to a degree later in, in his like, tenure on the Leafs we'll see we'll see like how his body holds up and uh if he can kind of learn to change his game to play with like the aging body but 
he, he's just, he's such an important part to this team. The Avenue last year, like to why maybe you don't need to keep him around is because yeah, Jake Muzzin and TJ Brody played so excellent. And you could look at it and say, gosh, we could have Morgan Riley for, you know, uh, seven and a half million dollars a year, or we can just continue to find these 30, 31 year old guys in free agency and pay them, you know, 4 million bucks each and get similar, you, you, you know, solidify the back end and it's not working out now. Right. Right now it doesn't look that way. That's how I feel. Well, what, what's kind of interesting, like even as we discuss this, I feel a little hypocritical because it was just this summer that we talked about Zach Hyman leaving and we said that it wasn't a good idea to sign him for the eight years because it, uh, even though it makes us worse in year one, it like jeopardizes the window or sorry, it, it makes us worse in, in those back half of the contract. And now here's us doing that exact same thing. And they're just like, oh, man. Yeah, so, here, no, I disagree. I'm kind of thinking of it, though. Go ahead, Stephen. Well, the, 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 it's importance of position, right? We're talking about a, you know, a winger versus a, our top line uh, defenseman. Yeah, I mean, like, we've let a number of players walk when they get to free agency over the past number of years, right? You had Bozak and JVR, JVR. and Hyman and Frederick Anderson and all these players leave. But then, yeah, I agree with Steven that it's like, I kind of get it now, especially with Hyman, because he was the most recent one that was highly debated of why do we let him walk? If we signed Hyman to an eight-year deal, we would not be signing Morgan Riley. Like, there's no way we could fit both of them in without trading one of the core four as well. So at the end of the day, I think Dubas came down and looked at it and said, we have all these guys, we can't keep them all. Who's most important to us? It's our number one defenseman. We have lots of other forwards. We have Jack Campbell in it. We don't need these other players, but we need Morgan Riley more than them. So that's why I think he was willing to bite the bullet, except that, yes, this will hurt us down the line when, when Morgan Riley is not worth that contract. But it, it's necessary for the first half of that contract to keep him on our roster. And that's where I think Zach Hyman's you know, two years older than Morgan Riley as well. So... Uh, Now, all the same, I kind of come into this deal and my heart loves it because it's Morgan Riley and he loves the great. He's the the best. He is him and him and John Tavares are such class acts. They're they're both captains of this team, right? Like John Tavares wears the C, but Morgan Riley is as much of a captain as as anyone. He is is elite. But I'm struggling to see. I'm struggling to see how the puzzle all fits together moving forwards. I think something has to give, and, and I don't like it that we've seen it happen time and time again, that we pay all these stars big, big money, and we have to fill in around the edges with these cheap league men guys, and then you get to the playoffs and the stars don't perform, and the cheap guys aren't good enough to carry the team, and we lose. And it feels like instead of trying to rebalance the team, we're almost going more in the direction of paying singular guys lots of money and we'll fill in the edges with cheap contracts. You know what I mean? And I think that's a, that's a bit at the core of this whole lease philosophy that you pay the stars because the stars do things that no other player in the planet can do. And you cut out the middlemen because there's, they aren't the difference makers. So this is a hundred, this is Dubas going like, uh, all in on that philosophy. He's he's kind of danced around it by saying, like, do we go with grit? Do we go with skill? Do we go with old? Do we go with young? 
But that is one thing that Dubas has committed to. It's saying that the stars are the ones that move the needle. They are the ones that are going to get you across the finish line. Those are the guys that you don't compromise on. But we were already that, like that more than any other team. You know, like how many times uh-huh. do you hear the stupid stat of no te- no team has won the Stanley Cup with a salary of over $10 million with a player? Or the Leafs have half their salary cap tied up four different players. No other team has done that before. Like the Leafs were already that more than any other team. And mm-hmm. now we've gone even further. Like that's concerning to me. Like we're seeing right now how important those those small signings become and and all of them are risks right you see michael bunting and this guy is phenomenal and then you see nick ritchie and you wonder how this guy has a job it's so, <laughs> so yeah it, it it makes it so important that we hit on those other signings right that we we because so far we've had a pretty good record with these you know really cheap guys but yeah, we're going to be playing this game for a lot longer until the salary cap goes up. Now, the fact that the the Phil Kessel money comes off of our books next year and the cap's going up like a million dollars, that one million dollars that takes care of you know a little bit of this money. But yeah, every penny counts. So like if yeah, if if it was going to cost eight and a half million by eight years to keep Morgan Riley around, I don't know if the Leafs would have done the deal because then that's a roster player that you now can't have. Well, I mean, they're already at that point. Right, like that Kessel money and the million dollar salary cap increase that covers Morgan Riley's raise, and then we also yeah. have to re-sign Sandine. Campbell will need a new contract. Campbell's probably the biggest raise, I think. Like Sandine, like sure he's getting paid a million dollars now, like league minimum. Even at uh, like he'll be he'll be an NHL regular defenseman this year. Uh, I guess it depends on how long they want to go on Sandine. It might mean that they have to give him a bridge deal to save on the cap hit something that we didn't do for any of our forwards. Um, but Jack Campbell, he's getting paid 1.65 and he's performing like an elite number one. Yeah. And much better than he has backup who makes like what? Three and a half. Again, a very early on Mrazek. Like, I don't think you could say he's not worth that when he's played one and a half games in the NHL. You could, you could have called Hutchinson the Vesna winner based off one and a half games of, that he's played over his career. So it's, it's too early to pull the plug on Mrazek. But all the same, Stephen, like you've mentioned it before, him signing that contract makes you think, like, how are we going to keep Campbell? And now I'm, I am starting to wonder with this Riley deal, are we going to be able to keep Mrazek or are we going to be trying to move that contract this summer? Well, well, Oh, go ahead, Tim. I was, I was going to say, what's kind of interesting, so Campbell and uh, Mrazek are actually the same age. They're both 29. Yep. Good age. So if you wanted to say, like, what is Jack Campbell's next deal going to be? Is it going to be, like, $4 million by three years? Maybe. So, like, so then you're trying to find an extra $2.5 million for Campbell. And let's so say $2 that- million for Sandine, so an extra million. That says $3.5 million you got to find somewhere. That's Kerfoot salary. <laughs> It's Kerfoot. Or I mean, yeah. Or I mean, Richie's also two and a half and that's, so that's, that's money there. But I don't know. I don't, see. It's, it's hard to say about Mrazek. Like, well, well, mostly because we don't have anyone behind him other than Hutch, which we don't want to talk about. The tricky thing about Mrazek though, and really all these players is, you know, you can move out Mrazek, you can move out Richie, but that doesn't mean that if, if, if you move out Richie, you're not gaining two and a half million dollars back onto your salary cap. Cause you're going to have to fill Richie's spot with someone else. Mm-hmm. And if uh-huh. that someone else makes one and a half million, then you've only saved 1 million. Mm-hmm. So like to, to find all this room is, is hard. And that's where I say like, okay, well 
I love having Morgan Riley on my team, but there's a reason why we passed on Hyman. Well, okay. So a guy like Jack Campbell, though, we're just getting into it now. Um, Jack Campbell's next contract, he, he's a guy who has been in the league for quite a while. Yes, he's 29 years old. He has not made an abundance of money, right? Nope. Before, even before signing this upcoming contract, Morgan Riley had made, you know, just a ton of money. He's set for life. His family's set for life. He's, he's in a good spot. Like Jack Campbell's not in that place, and I can see a world where he he de- he decides like I I need to secure the bag on this next contract, and well, so Jack Campbell has made about four million dollars so far. It'll be a five million. That's at the end marginally of this year. more than I make a year. <laughs> just for for everybody listening, yeah. you know, and you're just scraping by, right? I am. I'm just scraping by. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan Bradley's made thirty million. That's big difference, though, right? It's money. That's a big difference. So like that for that, I could see him saying like, kind of like what, what, you know, uh, Ned did with the, the Red Wings and just say, I'm going to the spot that's going to give me the most money and I'll, I'll figure it out later, but I need to make my $30 million. That's, that's angle number one that I could see Jack Campbell taking, but then angle number two is Jack Campbell's had a long history of being like just in, in the wrong spot in this league and having a horrible time playing professional hockey. And this is the first place he's been where he's having a great time playing professional hockey and he wants to lean into that. And the Leafs aren't going to like necessarily, you know, stretch him too thin, but they're going to come to a, a, a good agreement, kind of like what happened with this Riley deal. So we'll see. But it, it's it's compli- it, it's going to be messy with the cap. I, th- I think you have to move Morazic. That's what I think you have to do. You got to move someone, right? Like if it's not Morazic, you got to move Kerfoot or Richie or both. Like, like something has to give here, right? You, you can't fit all the pieces and everyone be happy you can't take back the contract so someone has to move it, it's difficult to say it's going to be Morazic because then who are you going to replace Morazic with like Hutchinson you need someone there and goalies were in real tough supply this last offseason like we, uh, when we were talking about the Morazic signing I know you guys were were too happy about it the term wasn't great the dollar value wasn't great but you look at what all the other goalies were going for like what jo- Jonathan Bernier went for mm-hmm. the guy got paid Mm-hmm. So, so you're going to have to replace him with someone. We don't have any goalies in our farm system. We're not going to replace him from within unless if one of them takes a huge step this year. So we're probably going to be paying a guy like $2 million. That's way worse than Morazic. So I, I don't know. It's tough. It's really yeah. tough. That's what we have Brendan Pritton, though. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll get us through. Maybe. But, but at the end of it, like to me, just... To, to bring it back to the Riley signing, I would so much rather have Morgan Riley and a question mark at what we're going to do with, you know, like our potential backup goalie or just like, it's just so much more important to me that Morgan Riley's on this team than, you know, inking a, a 29 year old, wh- whoever it ends up being goalie to a long-term deal. Um, we need him. Yeah. I mean, he's captain. Yeah. And, and there are definitely arguments against signing Riley, especially like we've seen Rasmus Sandin, almost like supplant Riley on power play one. I mean, power play one is so bad right now. That's one thing we didn't talk about any of our games. They still have not figured it out at all. It looks so bad. It's our power play, our our power play two that has this, all these array like odds and ends is outperforming them. It's embarrassing. It is embarrassing. and, And I don't get it. And I feel like they need to stop coaching it or just like, just blow it up something radical or yeah, just go back to two even units. But, at this point, it's just like it's not going to work. So let's figure. Don't go back to two out. even units. Don't break up the 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 second unit. 
Okay, then let's do something else. Let's get a third unit out there and bench these superstars when we get a power play because they can't make it work. It's Jason Spezza. He was. I want to see Hutch put on regular players' pads and get him out on PP one. Mm. It needs to be fixed though, or we're not going anywhere. It needs to be fixed. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I mean, back to the the salary cap thing. Like this is where, this is where you're going to need guys like Lilligren and hopefully eventually Robertson to step in the lineup and be impact players for like league men. You know, like if we're making these changes on decor right now, imagine if we can like trade Hall away as much as we love Hall and he's good value on his contract, trade Hall away and replace him with Lilligren. You save a million dollars right there. Move, move Nick Ritchie out for a bucket of pucks and bring in, bring up Nick Robertson. There's a million and a half. There's two and a half million. You're basically there. So like those are the guys that you really need to um to make work, you know what I mean? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. I mean, it is it is nice to see like that they can't that I I mean, we talk about Richie being a bit of a bust, but like there are there are value there is value to be had out there. Like the cap will still be pretty flat. There will still be opportunities. Like David Camp has been what we want. We're looking for Andre Kashe, he's been good. Michael Bunting, we we talked about. And here's the thing winning players want to join winning teams if we win of course we're bogosian's gonna ask for a trade to us right are you really betting on the leafs becoming a winning team (laughs) (laughs) well even if the leafs don't win there will never be a shortage of ontario boys who want to come home okay that's never gonna run out that's it's a continuous supply (laughs) people in ontario keep having babies is that uh, Ontario boy speaking? Just keep <laughs> ready to come home. That's why I had a baby. All right. Ontario boys and women just keep having those babies. Oh, man. Okay. Um, this pod has taken a different direction. Can we look over the steering wheel a little bit to the upcoming week of games? Because it's, it's a, a big, big week. week. This, it is a big week. Um, it is and it isn't. Okay. It it is no it is no okay it is. It is. no let me let's do, okay so the Leafs got three big games this week Tuesday Golden Knights Thursday the Tampa Bay Lightning Saturday what I view as the Stanley Cup Final every single time the Boston friggin Bruins I hate this team so much I forgot how much I hated them until I saw them on the schedule eliminate the Boston Bruins there's a guy that skates at one of the drop ins that I go to that wears a Bruins jersey I might fight him this week just to let him know that the Leafs are coming to town you wonder if. If Nick Ritchie and Kasha, if those guys are going to have a little bit of a different bite in that game against the Bruins, they didn't even they didn't even want them. They they didn't I, even give them qualifying offers. I mean, Kasha played about eight minutes worth of playing time from Boston, so he probably doesn't even remember what All right, that Richie city looks like. <laughs> Richie, though. That could I could maybe he'll be a Boston killer. And here's the thing. If all he needs to do is like get a few goals against Boston and maybe like a big hit on Brad Marchand. That's worth two and a half million dollars to me. Or just the hint. He can earn his just money this week. <laughs> so the the reason the why this it's a big week because that to the to sounds like the you know the three best teams in the NHL, right? Not the case. I mean, currently in the standings, the Leafs sit atop both the Lightning and the Bruins, and the Knights are, I think, four and four. A lot of mediocre teams from what you'd expect to be the t- the cream of the crop of the league. But like, come on, like they're going to be the cream of like by the time we get to the end of the season these aren't going to be playoff missing teams like i don't know maybe 
I guess what I'm saying is like I have if you asked me last week I would say the Leafs are going to lose every one of these games 10 to 0 and right now I think the Leafs have a good shot to win all of these games these are teams that to a degree are very vulnerable right now but are you looking at this like we just played we just played Detroit were you looking at Detroit as saying like man that is top 10 team in the league and I'm scared of them compared to Vegas and Tampa and Boston they're going to be easy I the Leafs just invite these close games and play to the level of their opponent and the it's just these aren't teams that are rolling. I know that doesn't really answer your question. Um <laughs> you dodged it. <laughs> Detroit sucks. They're they're playing well, but they're not going to be a playoff team. These other teams are and they're and they're going to turn it around and if we know anything about the Leafs, it's going to be the Leafs that they turn it around against. So they they will be tough games. These are going to be great teams that we're playing against here. We'll we'll see. I, I'm hoping for the best here. Here here's a question for you guys though. We just got Peter Morazic back. He's our tandem goalie with Jack Campbell, which doesn't mean you know we're, we've been used to like Campbell plays ten games and the backup gets in every now and then. That's not the case anymore. Do you, does Campbell play all three of these games? Do we get Morazic in one of them? What what do you guys think? I would flip back and forth like. Like every, every other game. game. So Campbell Campbell has to play next Saturday, mostly because I'm biased. And I would say if anything other than a W goes next to that Saturday, Boston game is going to ruin the next week. <laughs> so Campbell plays next Saturday, which means he doesn't play Thursday. So Tuesday, Saturday, Campbell. Mrazic can have Tampa Bay. Mrazic gets the cup champs. Wow. I think if I, if I were the Leafs, I would start Jack Campbell every game. Uh, if, if, if I were Sheldon Keefe. But... I, I think that Mrazic draws in for one of these games. We paid him three and a half million dollars to see if he could, you know, be potentially our our uh, goaltender one of the future. So I think they're going to give him a shot. It's early enough in the year that it's not like this is a must win game to make the playoffs kind of thing. And they're going to want to see what he looks like against a uh, a good team. So I, I agree. I like I like putting Mrazic in against Vegas. Get him in the next game. Don't let him sit. He's just been sitting for the past while. Let's keep him going. Get his groove on. Don't Ooh. make him sit and wait until Wednesday. And then give Campbell both of those Atlantic division games. You know, those are the games that really, those are the four point games. Those Tampa Boston games are more important than the Vegas games. So let's get Campbell in those. But I want to see Mrazic in the next game. That's what I think. The, the Leafs haven't played Boston in well over a year. There's a lot of guys on that team that, we're not there right for any of our, our past with Boston. And I'm excited to, I'm just excited to see the fire in the guys and just, yep. just kill them. Just yep. kill them. Please Death. kill them. <laughs> hey, you know, who's been looking a little more feisty lately, Pierre Engvall. He's had a little bit of feist in the game, especially in the Chicago game. Those guys hated him. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he did, but they, I, they did not like that guy. I kind of liked that aspect to his game. I know. I wonder what he did. I was trying to like watch that during the game. I, I don't know, man. So anyway. All right. Are we wrapping up? I mean, you guys got anything else you want to say? Mm, well, funny on thing, Saturday for Tim's sake. <laughs> I was funny looking at like the Boston roster, like how much of these guys weren't on the team in 2019. And just think of like, uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, there's a show uh mad men and we're like there's this guy in the elevator and says like oh man i feel sorry for you and i think about you all the time and you're the worst and then like the main character just looks back at him disdainfully he's like yeah i don't think about you at all and walks away and i think like us devoting all this hatred towards boston we just can't stand them and like half the guys in boston are just like 
who are you? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We probably hate that board. We've just been a pebble in the side of the road for them. Boston's got to be, especially when playoffs come around, they got to be a little bit scared. We take them to game seven every time. How good do you feel when you're losing at the end of games or at the you know half a game seven every time? We're not because they know they're playing against. All right. We'll see. It's a different year. Let's go Leafs. Beat the Bruins on Saturday. Uh, as I wrap up, did the Leafs make the right pick in the 2012 draft? Griffin Reinhardt, Alex Galchenyuk, Ryan Murray, and Nail Yakupov were picked before him. I'd say Mo is a go. Nailed it. Nail, like, Nail Yakupov? Made the right call about Sandine as well over uh, the Detroit guy. Elena.